Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back, y'all, to the Zap Podcast here with the one and only Zachary Crockett Wingate. Thank you for tuning in. I will be posting a podcast for 365 days, covering all things that are life, liberty, love, and the pursuit of happiness and where you stand. Today, I'm getting into part two of my journey, I Think I Can, where I discuss the impact of where my life has gone and where it is. So sit back, relax, and if you're working out, push hard. Okay, y'all, part two of the journey. Man, it's like, what's so interesting about this podcast is figuring out the content, putting together and when to do it, with this only being the fifth podcast, I'm just all over the place, but... I've been watching this show on um, Apple TV. It's called Blackbird, and it is, it's good. And I had to pause it to hop on and do it. But, man, if you got some time and you got Apple TV, I strongly suggest watching this series. Um, I'm only in episode one, but it seems like it's going to be good. Okay, getting into the message at hand, part two of the Think I Can journey. Here I am. Last night I was speaking about how when I met my wife, the tide started to turn within my life. And I can honestly say that it really did happen. And kind of hopping into the story of, of, of the why and the what. Whenever I was in Tennessee, my brother had a company and I was really considering to work with my brother for a while until I got a job in D.C. because it was a little bit tough to break in and you know, I've been talking to this girl for a little bit and we were, you know, we were hitting it off and, and you know, it was something, it, it was seemed like it was going to be something serious, but I didn't really know it at the time. But what happened was, is when I was in Tennessee, she actually ended up hanging out in, um, you know, in Tyson's corner and there, there used to be a bar where her friend was a bartender at and there's this gentleman that sat down and, you know, started talking about his company and his job and his work and, from there, she kind of was able to charm him into getting me an interview, which was pretty amazing. And I was able to get the interview and I uh, got the job. And um, it was kind of a really big moment for me because I was working for um, a company, working in government contracting, etc. Um, I think, you know, within this job, I worked there for two years and I realized that I really had a knack for it. And I was tenacious and I was hungry and I was really trying to you know, prove myself within the company, and essentially what happened is I changed jobs, and I got a job working as a government um, consultant or for a company helping companies do what is called capture, which is the intelligence aspect of getting information on bids and contracts, and then helping a small company who wants to work with the government use that information to leverage it in order to win contracts. So we went down this tunnel, and I had to, you know, I I worked there for about three months. It was a transition job. You know, it wasn't necessarily a transition job, but I wanted something different, and I was enjoying it. And long story short, conflict of interest, and the job just wasn't working out. And from there, um, you know, I had to leave the job. Um, You know, we left on good terms, but the job really wasn't something that I needed at that moment. And it was a really stressful moment for me and Natalie. Um... And there was, you know, but, you know, I just kept believing and kept saying, I think I can, I think I can. And essentially what happened is, you know, I wasn't going to let it stress out. You know, um, 
I just would wake up sometimes in the middle of the night, really stressed, thinking, you know, I'm going to figure this out. I mean, you know, I'm going to figure this out. And I just was really at comfort and at ease. And essentially what happened was I applied for a couple jobs. I got a call back from this Canadian company. And then I got a call from a dude who sounded like Matthew McConaughey. And he, he just, like a very gregarious guy. And, you know... I went on this interview with these guys and it was like seven people and it was like a motley crew and they were asking me all these questions and I really didn't know what the job was, but I was living there in DC in Tyson's and the office too was located in Tyson's corner and I went out and the job was, I went into this room with all this technology and it looked like something out of the movies and Sure enough, the company built these command and control rooms, and it literally was something out of the movies. The company worked with Jurassic Park, worked in a lot of movies, Fast and Furious, etc. It also worked all over the world. You know, any company you can name it, any government agency you can name it, they worked with. And I got a job there, and it was like a big transition for me because a big part of it was doing research and uh, cold calling. And I worked really hard at understanding the process and what to do, and I was able to master it. And from there, you know, I felt really, really comfortable in my job, more comfortable than I've ever felt. And, you know, the company was good, but I kind of hit a glass ceiling within what they, you know, kind of what they were offering at the time. And another company recruited me, had me bring on their team, and, you know, I've been working with them ever since. But... Essentially, it was it was a long path. You know, if you think about the think I can concept of where it got me, you know, it's just it's something where you just really have to believe in yourself and submit to what is going on around you and know that you're going to be taken care of. And sometimes your outcome isn't always going to be what you think it's going to be. You know, it's like, you know, you have a perception, like I said before, I thought I was going to be, you know, in the army and it, you know, I went and tried out one weekend and it just didn't work out. And then I thought I was going to do a job with State Department and I applied for that and went through the test process and I didn't make it. Um, So there's all these multiple levels of it, but I learned a lot from each process and I learned so much from failing. And, and what I learned from it is, you know, you know, kind of letting the path unlock itself unfold and submit to what could possibly be happening and for me in that moment you know working with the job and and going from being a stonemason to digging holes to you know running you know highly effective bd strategies for government contracts and winning and and making multi-million dollar projects you know is for me it was really surreal to go from point a to point b and i think sometimes you know 50 percent of it is showing up 30 percent of it is trying and 20% of it is having the right attitude, you know, and if you do all those together and you are consistent, there's no way you can't fail. There's no way you can't get to where you need to be. You know, it's like in life, we all have our cards that are dealt to us and it doesn't really matter the cards. It's how we play them, you know, in, in understanding the strategy, understanding who's sitting at the table and how you can get the most out of it. Whenever you have dyslexia, it's the same thing. You know, you got to be your own advocate, number one. Number two, you got to be willing to be flexible. And number three, you have to understand that, you know, just because you have a learning adversity doesn't mean you're not capable of completely t- 
taking care of yourself and your family. And that is one message that I feel like is so important. And that's why the Think I Can concept is here to build that optimism, you know, going all the way back to this story that's been told since 1930 to help kids understand that they have to be optimistic and they can't look at what that's, they can't really look at what's around them. They have to focus on their internal strength and that's what's going to push you through to the finish line. It's never going to be, oh, this person did help me. You know, now my wife did help me. But I also was able to be there to show up and make sure I got the interview. I had to be willing, you know. And in life, you know, you have to have the will. You know, like my mom used to always tell me, which I found out was on The Sound of Music or The Prairie Home Companion. If there's a will, there's a way. And you can't be sitting around, you know, there's a level where you do feel sorry for yourself. But you have the power to complete anything you want in this life. I do believe that. Does it, does it look differently than what you originally thought it would be? Yes. Or do you learn a lot along the journey through the process? Yes. You know, will you fail? Yes. Um, but how you adapt to failure is really what speaks volumes to how you're going to live this life and how you are humble, you know, and how are you willing to be a better version of yourself? It's like right now, I'm kind of in some type of awakening. I don't really know what it is, but I'm reading a book by The Surrender Experience by Michael A. Singer. Good Lord, if this book is not... I mean, when you read this book, it's almost like there's something so powerful about the messaging as well as something so subtle. And essentially, without giving the book away, the premise is... Identifying how you submit to life and allow life to have, to take you on a journey, almost like you're riding a wave. And you aren't trying to run away from the wave. You're not trying to make your own path. You're following the flow. You're following how things are being unfolded in front of you. And Michael Singer, you know, I'm not all the way through the book, but there's different scenarios where he is just completely submitting and being completely open to the process. And the process is allowing him to kind of adapt to it. It's almost like, in a weird way, like he's kind of like Neo in the Matrix. And by doing the opposite, it's like opening him up to be really compelling in different ways. And in reading that book, there's just such, a, there's a piece about submitting that process. And one thing that I've really been opening up to is just being able to have a few minutes of meditation in the morning, just kind of ground in and set the intentions for the day. I think this is something that's so important and we don't really do it. You know, so much of my life, I'm hopping out of bed and going to the next thing, going to the next thing, thinking about the next thing. How can I do the next thing? But I'm not really stopping and being present and be like, no, I'm in this current moment and this current moment is really valuable, you know, and working on those kind of mindset tools and within our society sometimes I don't think we we get the full the full need of that you know it's like we have all this technology all this information everything at our fingertips but once again if we're not willing to put in the work and go through that I think I can mentality it's just you know it's really hard to break through the other side you know it's like you can't if you are not willing to get dirty then you can never be clean if that metaphor makes sense but clean in the point of being able to adapt and move on.
Well, y'all, that is the part two of my story. I hope you enjoyed it. Please like and follow. Um, and, you know, any feedback's helpful as I start this process. I'm really looking forward to this journey. I'm excited about it. You know, I really hope that my stories and information help you, influence you. And, you know, yeah, thank you. Well, I hope you all like the show. Please join me tomorrow for episode six where I talk about something related to the day-to-day life. It's Thursday. So I'll be doing a day in the life here in Ecuador, kind of going through all the aspects, the morning, the evening, the workouts. Um, so yeah, thank you. Like and follow. Follow me at the Dyslexic and Y'all have a good one.